0: I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms, and here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause, and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. Hey, hey buddies, welcome back to Geeky Magic. We are going to be talking today about the 1200 calorie diet and how to reverse diet your way away from the 1200 cal. So this is really dedicated for my women who have been uh, maybe calorically restricting for a long period of time, whether that's, um, you know, a year, two years, two decades. Um, we're going to talk today about how you can eat more, gain more muscle and not gain weight. I know it sounds like, it sounds like fitness fools gold, uh, but this is the dream. And I promise there's some science to back this all up. It's not just, um, me sort of dreaming uh, out loud. This is um, how I have not only used this on myself, but I've done this with my private clients to help them eat more and to help get away from this damn 1200 calorie thing. I don't know where this number came from, but I will say that there's a lot of probably at this point at least once a week, maybe more, where I am either working inside Hello Betty, which is my membership program. I have women that tell me, hey, you know what? I've been having 1200 calories for decades um, and I'm having trouble losing weight, or I'll have people reach out to me on whether it's Instagram or any type of social uh, platform that I'm on, it typically is Instagram because that's where I am the most uh, active. Um, and I can't really respond on Instagram. I'll say that. Um, I don't it's not ethical to do so. Um, but I'll also just say that this, this needs to be addressed from a societal level culturally. I think that so many of us, we are just conditioned to shrink, to be as teeny and tiny and fade away as much as possible and to be overly thin. And I think that, um, I just want to put a nail in that coffin because you need to eat, uh, you need to take up space. You need to be metabolically healthy. And if you are somebody who has, had this issue where you may have calorically restricted over the long period of time, not to worry. I gotcha. Queen Bee, I gotcha. Some of my um, uh, people inside Hello Betty, my private clients call me Queen Betty or Queen Bee. So Queen Bee's gotcha. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you can slowly and methodically improve your metabolism by having more calories and minimizing fat gain and um, putting on muscle. So, in order to do that, I definitely want to talk about some of the basics of energy balance, right? So you can properly understand what's happening here. Uh, first thing is that when you eat uh, more energy, so when you have more calories, uh, then you burn, you will gain weight. Now, what kind of weight? Uh, that you gain is what we're going to discuss today. Again, another slight nuance. You know, we always talk about weight loss, but you don't want to lose brain weight. You don't want to lose organ weight, right? You want to lose um, adipose tissue. That's like you want fat loss. You don't want weight loss. You don't want to lose bone mass or muscle mass. Gosh, knows it's hard. It's hard enough for women to put on. Um, muscle. So, we want to be thinking specifically about fat loss. So, when you eat more than you burn, you gain weight, the kind of weight we're going to talk a little bit about today. And when you eat less energy than you burn, you lose weight. Again, the type of weight that you lose is also very specific. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to lose fat, which is what we what most women want when they say fat weight loss. It's actually fat loss. So very broadly, this is known as the energy balance model or uh, calories in, calories out. And I believe that calories matter, but they are not the only thing that matters. There are many things that factor in the energy in and energy out, the calories in and the calories out. So let's talk a little bit about some of those factors that influence calories in or energy in, and let's talk about a few things that um, affect energy out. First thing is that your appetite is going to influence the amount of calories that you take in, right? And there are many, many, many hormones, right? That govern your appetite. The two most famous, probably leptin and ghrelin, right? So ghrelin tells you pick up the fork, it's time, it's nosh time. Leptin tells you, put that baby down, put that fork down, we're done. But there are many other hormones that influence appetite, CCK, uh, neuropeptide Y. Uh, I won't bore you with all the nerdy details, but uh, suffice it to say that your appetite is, uh, and the ho- hormones that govern them, govern them uh, influence calories in. And you will also find as a woman who is likely in her reproductive years that your appetite will vary through your menstrual cycle. My menopausal women who are listening, good, the, you know, one of the bonuses of being in menopause is you are not subject to the, that, uh, ever-changing hormonal milieu that, uh, the women in their reproductive years are. So you will find that your appetite is likely more consistent and you'll be able to predict changes in your appetite based on, uh, calorie output Uh, and of course uh, if you are pregnant or lactating you will also know that your appetite is augmented. It is more, uh, other things that influence calories. And of course are the food that you consume, right? So that includes the, you know, whether your food is whole or is it processed, right? Is it a whole food versus processed foods? Um, what is the palatability of the food? A lot of times with processed foods, we have these bliss point foods that sort of chemically cause our brains to go nuts and we just keep eating them. Um, Of course, there's a certain uh, cultural overlay in terms of your food uh, that's consumed. There's a, you know, the so-called comfort foods, right? So for me, you know, and I'm letting you in on a little secret here, if you want the quick way to my heart, the way to do so is to give me Portuguese codfish balls or uh, anything, basically any Middle Eastern food. I just die for Lebanese food, uh, Israeli food, good grief. Like I could just eat um, and any type of Middle Eastern food um, I just love. And that's largely influenced by my culture, my gr- like the foods that I ate growing up. My grandmother, um, she would make this. uh, So, all my love. Maybe you'll recognize this. My my grandmother would call this um, this meal. It was called kusa, and it was basically like summer squash that she would hollow out. She would stuff it with meat and rice and cook it in this tomato sauce. Good grief! I could eat the entire all the kusa that she had made. um, I I could eat in one entire session. So, of course, you know the food that you consume. Comfort foods certainly have a uh, role in how many you know calories. You're taking in. The other thing I think is important to um, think about is the calories that you are able to absorb and transport to their final destination. So often we hear this uh saying, you know, you are what you eat. And I would counter that and say that you are what you can absorb and transport. <laughs> you're not necessarily you are what you eat and the you know it's what you can absorb, what you can extract from the food that you're eating and your ability to get that substrate to the target cell. And this of course is influenced by the macronutrient content of your food. It's involved, it's influenced by uh food preparation, so how um, you know, is it an Uber Eats delivery where they very likely have used maybe lower quality meats? Maybe they've fried things in uh, oil that's been used six, seven, ten times. There's seed oils, there's, you know, there's uh, vegetable oils versus the olive oil that you may use in the home. Um, your microbiome is going to be really important for the, uh, for your ability to absorb and transport uh, substrate your intestinal permeability, and of course your age, right? So as we get older, if you are not paying attention to it, your ability to extract nutrients and then be efficient at transporting them is going to also uh, be affected. And then finally, I would say psychological factors as well, right? So what are your stress levels? And I know we like to forget that we're stressed, but you know, your stress levels are going to predictably and necessarily affect your sleep. It is going to necessarily and predictably affect the cortisol circadian rhythm. Um, Things like your own how you feel about yourself, you know, your perceived control, um, which I think has really been, um, something that's really affected us globally in the last 18 or 19 months where we've like our whole world has really been turned upside down in many ways. And, you know, do you have an opportunistic or a growth mindset versus, uh, a more fixed, uh, mindset? And this is from, uh, Carol Dweck's, uh, seminal book on the subject growth versus fixed mindset. So those are some of the things that influence calories in. Now, of course, factors that influence calories out are things like your basal metabolic rate, which is again, influenced by hormones. Um, very importantly influenced by hormones, actually. Um, you know, your dieting history, like, have you been having that 1200 calorie, um, diet for the last several decades, right? How much muscle mass do you have? We know that more muscle mass spikes your metabolic rate. It is the um, metabolic fuel, if you will, that, um, that burns the fire. And then, you know, the calories that you burn through exercise, you know, how much calories that you burn in any given exercise session is going to be influenced by, of course, the frequency, the intensity, you know, the frequency of the workout, the intensity of the workout, uh, the duration of the workout, your hormonal status again, um, you know, your age, how well you slept um, that evening or the evening before, I should say. Um, So the calories that you burn through exercise, your general movement. So, you know, when we talk about specific movement, like what's going on in a cardio session or what's going on in a lift session, uh, we also want to consider what's your spontaneous movement. What's your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, right? And this is of course influenced by lifestyle. Um, do you, uh, you know, your occupation, right? Are you someone who gets, the opportunity to get up and move a lot, or are you always driving to a meeting or you're sitting talking to your computer the way that I am talking to my computer now? Um, of course it's also influenced by your stress levels, uh, your energy status, your hormones, it's, it's influenced by everything. And then the last thing, um, and this is not a comprehensive list, but the last thing that I think is worth mentioning in terms of factors that influence calories out is the thermogenic effect of food. So this is influenced by how much protein you're taking in, how much fat you're taking in, how much carbohydrates. And then again, is this a whole food or is it a processed food that is going to also weigh in on the thermogenic effect of food. So I promised you that we're going to talk about how you can eat more (laughs) and put on muscle and not necessarily put on fat. Um, And this is kind of known in the, uh, you know, in the bodybuilding and the figure space as reverse dieting. So, you know... Dieting is usually has connotations of like caloric restriction. And of course, this is very true. This was something very true for me as I was uh, preparing for, um, when I was competing in figure, certainly leading up to the show, uh, was having a lot more, um, like a higher volume of, of lift sessions. And then I was also simultaneously bringing down my calories. But then after the show, um, in order to keep my gains or to, to mitigate, mitigate losses, um, I started, um, what's called a reverse diet. So you start to increase your calories. Um, and then we look at how we can, you know, continue to make gains in muscle mass. We'll talk about that and I just want to, I just want to say this with love, right? So I've been kind of talking about this 1200 calorie diet and i I sort of harp on it sometimes with my, my private coaching clients. And, uh, I know that I've done that. I know I've gotten up on my soapbox on this podcast too. Uh, but I, I think it's really important, um, that we recognize that when you have been, consuming that little calories, you know, there's something that's called metabolic adaptation, right? And, um, when you eat less your body and you've been doing it for a long time, right? So several weeks, several months, several years, several, several decades, your body is instinctively going to start preparing for famine in several ways. So your BMR, your basal metabolic rate is going to decline your, uh, exercise becomes more difficult. You have less available substrate to fuel your muscles to be able to, um, perform the activity. So you'll, you'll, you'll likely burn less calories through the activity. Um, you'll expend less energy, right? Because as your body gets smaller, it doesn't require as much fuel, uh, fuel, pardon me. And your um, Your metabolism also adapts to make sure that you are more efficient. So this will reduce the number of calories that you burn through movement. It's so unfair, I know, it's it's so unfair, but it reduces the number of calories that you burn through movement. So So that results in like less energy out. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes and your blood pressure no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima, that's dot com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A, and you will get a free elementt sample pack with any purchase. And so, as you get within, this is like the painful part, but I'm going to give it to you straight, Betty's. As you get within that 10 pound range of your goal, you may also start to use proteins in your muscles as fuel substrate instead of adipose tissue. This is particularly true for the ladies who, my women, who naturally through a variety of reasons that we've been discussing, uh, hold on to fat more aggressively than men do. We need more fat, uh, as a baseline to, uh, to be able to perform the regular functions than our male counterparts do. It's usually 10 to 13% is like the minimum amount of fat that a woman needs. Men can kind of get down to like 3%. So there's, there's almost like a 10 X, um, actually that's not right. <laughs> there's a three X, pardon me. There's a three X difference, uh, there in terms of like the, the minimum amount of fat, uh, that men and women need. So you have to be careful that when you overly and aggressively calorically restrict over, you know, over, uh, you know, a long period of time, As you get closer, and this is why so many of us, we just gain and lose the same 10 pounds over and over again, because your body uses up your muscle, which is functionally active tissue, right? Again, when you're calorically restricting over the long term, your activity outside of your workouts usually drops, right? So that spontaneous energy, that non-exercise activity thermogenesis Typically, also tanks, and your digestion slows down. And here's another here's another um, you know uh, sad truth is that your body will slow down your digestion so it can absorb as many nutrients as possible. Right? It's like every single morsel. Your body's like, okay, we got to make use of this. <laughs> How can we be the most efficient in extracting the energy that's in this food? So this will increase your energy in. Now, of course, metabolic adaptation works both ways. It's not just a one way street. So if you are increasing your calories gradually, your body will also adapt in the other direction. This is adaptive. This is known as adaptive thermogenesis, which is basically that your body will waste calories as heat when there is more calories to spare. So when done properly, you know, reverse dieting is kind of what we're talking about, where we are increasing your caloric intake does exactly the opposite of what we just talked about. Your basal metabolic rate increases, which is going to increase your energy out. Your workout capacity increases, right? So now you have more energy, which increases your energy out. And now that's going to improve and augment your performance. It's going to increase your lean muscle mass your spontaneous general movement increases for the exact same reason, more energy out. So your meat increases, your digestion returns to normal. So your GI tract is no longer like squeezing every bit of sustenance from every, you know, piece of food or morsel of food that, uh, that you are eating. And so in order to get there, in order to achieve this, it's important to add calories Slowly. So, for all my type A betties that are like perfect, I'm going to have 5,000 calories tomorrow. That's not what we're talking about. So, and I know, and I know, and I know the tendency. It's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm a quick start. Like, let me get at this thing. But we want to be slow and gentle with our bodies. Think about if you have been overly calorically restricting for a long period of time. Your body has made certain adaptations to that chemical environment. So, we want to be very loving, and very gentle with how we kickstart our metabolism up into gear as well. So a couple of considerations that I would um, ask you to, um, to consider. <laughs> um, first is that just like dieting is nonlinear, reverse diets are also nonlinear. You know, as much as I would love to plug you all into a spreadsheet and look at the IXL and be able to predict in four weeks it's going to look like this, and in 12 weeks it's going to look like this, humans don't work like that. We are nonlinear, much to the chagrin of my type A's, myself included. So, healing is nonlinear, dieting is nonlinear, reverse dieting is the same, it is nonlinear. So, the, you know, the hope with reverse dieting is that your body, your metabolism will adjust, right? You will increase your spontaneous need your performance in the gym will get better. You know, other mechanisms like digestion are going to get better, but the degree of adjustment and you know, whether any adjustment happens at all varies from person to person. Okay. So just something to keep in mind. We're not all the same. We have some of the same parts. They work very differently. Second uh, thing to consider is that our age is also an important consideration here in terms of our ability to adapt, right? So I mentioned before metabolism naturally declines with age. Uh, Case in point, my postmenopausal women always, like, with a frequency of almost 100%, will say, "Listen, I've been eating the same thing. You know, I'm like 55 now. I'm 60, eating the same thing that I did when I was 45, and I'm." increasing, I, I'm increasing weight despite eating, like, you know, despite eating the exact same thing. Again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hormonal considerations here for a postmenopausal woman, but just if you are not, uh, considering your age, um, as an ability to adapt, and if, unless you are strength training consistently, you will lose five to 10 pounds of metabolically active muscle per decade. That's a pound a year, um, which is a lot. So starting when you're about 25 or 30, if you're not, um, lifting weights, you are losing 10 pounds, five to 10 pounds, uh, of metabolically active tissue a year. So really, really important, um, to be strength training. And I know that I always get up on my soapbox about resistance training. Um, The best time to start resistance training was yesterday. And if you haven't, then the second best time to start is today. So even if you haven't been training since you were 20 or 25, not to worry, Betty, you can start today and you're going to still reap a lot of the benefits that strength training has to offer. And then the last thing I want you to be aware of around increasing your calories is that, we're going to be very precise with the way that we do this. So everybody's a little bit different, but generally you need to, I, we need to assume that you're reasonably sure of your current caloric intake. You cannot eyeball it. And this is, everybody hates this part (laughs) because what I'm going to say next, uh, you may hard eye roll me and say hard pass Betty, but it's fine. Um, There's, Counting calories in general is relatively imprecise unless you're in a lab. Um, but the goal here is to understand what you're eating so that you can methodically increase your calories each week. So, the way that I like to do this with my clients is adding a small amount, very small amount of calories, uh, week over week. So, it's usually somewhere between 40 and 60 calories. Uh, per week. And it's basically impossible to increase by 40 to 60 calories if you're not already measuring your food and or weighing your food and or tracking your food. So if you do want to engage in a reverse dieting protocol, it's important that you are tracking your food. You have a reasonably good understanding of what you're currently eating, and then we can go from there. So I think about reverse dieting as three main steps one is what I just mentioned track your calories and macros for a few weeks don't jump into the adding calories yet um, you need a method to to, Track your food intake now inside HBHQ inside Hello Betty headquarters. The clear favorite with my with my women are is Carb Manager. So this is a free app, uh, no affiliation. Uh, it's just the one that everybody likes. Um, and then there's usually a food scale or some sort of like manual log. But Carb Manager and a food scale seem to be the the winning combination with my Bettys. Uh, if you have another app that you like, Chronometer is another one uh, that I hear a lot. People really enjoy that one as well. But the reason why this step is so important is before you increase your calories, you need to, uh, you need to understand, you need to figure out what it is that you're currently eating. Um, And you can, if you don't have any idea of what your basal metabolic rate is, your total daily energetic expenditure, then certainly just Googling um, a BMR calculator um, should be able to provide you some guidance there. The second piece is deciding on your macronutrient balance, right? Um, super easy to get caught up in the weeds in terms of what's the ideal macro ratio. The truth of the matter is here that protein is probably the most important macro for reverse dieting. Um, and there's several reasons for that. One protein is going to help maximize muscle protein synthesis, which we've talked about. I've talked about this in the Betty body. I've talked about this on the pod before. Uh, it's also going to prevent, uh, Uh, or minimize, I should say, muscle protein breakdown or degradation, um, which is, which should net net lead to more muscle, right? So if you are maximizing muscle protein synthesis, minimizing muscle uh, protein degradation, net net, you should have more muscle that is put on as a result of this. And of course, more protein uh, is also going to help increase energy out because as your body uses more energy to process protein, uh, your, your, I should say your body uses more energy to process protein than it does for carbohydrates and fat. So first things first, track everything you eat for a few days to determine what your average caloric intake is. I typically will set a protein target at one gram per pound Of body weight. So if you weigh 150 pounds, let's say your protein intake will be 150 grams um, of protein. And that's actually going to remain relatively consistent throughout the reverse. And then, um, So you'll sort of, so you'll say, you know, one gram per pound of body weight, then you will subtract that protein, your protein calories from your total calorie goal. And then you'll get sort of the remaining calories and you'll split those between uh, carbohydrates and fats. So I typically, um, you can either do a a 60, 40 split or a 64, you know, 40, 60, 60, 40 between carbs and fat. Um, of course these numbers, I can't give you the exact amount for you, but you know, they're generally, these are the two sort of options that I give, uh, to people and, um, you know, depend, varies based on the client, but, um, either one of those is a really great, um, starting point. And if you are, if I'm suspecting that you are like most women, uh, increasing your calories is initially going to be met with, well, am I going to gain body fat? And that's usually one of the main concerns, like hundred percent of the time. So I really like a conservative reverse. So, um, we only will increase the calories by like 40 to 60 calories per week. So if you've been having 1200 calories for two decades, I'm not going to get you to start eating 1800 calories. I will get you, let's say in the next week to have 1240, right? And then you may stay there for a week or two. Um, and then we may bump it up to 1280, right? For another week or two. And then we bump it up to 1320 and so forth, right? A couple things you might want to consider when you are um, doing your reverse is you want to be watching, um, your performance in the gym and you want to be watching your measurements. So as much, and I'll say that uh, you can weigh yourself, uh, I would say a couple times a week, if you want, no more than, no more than twice a week is, you know, is, um, is important. The day-to-day measures, like the day-to-day numbers aren't really important. It's just the direction that they're going that we want to look at. Um, I actually prefer, measurements. So I prefer waist measurements, I prefer hip measurements and uh other body measurements, but those are the two main ones which in my opinion reflect changes in your body composition better than the scale. Uh, You can take some progress photos if you like, just for yourself or if you're working with you know with a coach. Um, I think as well body like taking photos of yourself also can reflect changes in body composition better than your scale. Take them in the morning after your first void, like go do your morning pee and then hop on the scale and then, you know, take a picture of yourself in your birthday suit if it's just for yourself. And then, uh, you know, maybe it's for your coach, like put on some, put on some knickers, you know, just keep it decent, right? Keep it G rated. Um, And then I would also, you know, look at, you know, I mentioned your workout performance. So you should be looking at personal bests and weight class jumps and look at your heart rate and other, you know, any other metrics that you may find um, meaningful. But I often look at am I jumping up in weight? And not every workout has to be a PB. It doesn't have to be a personal best, but directionally over time, I should see an increase in weight because I have more substrate available for my muscles now to perform. So that is how I would structure healing your Um, metabolism, very gentle, very slow, and just know that this is absolutely available um, for you to be able to, um, for you to be able to achieve. It just needs to be done slowly with love and with a, with an attitude of giving yourself a really long runway, much longer than you might otherwise think. So for example, when I was competing in my figure uh, competition, uh, nine months up to the show was my, I was trained for about nine months. And then on the other side of it, I reverse dieted for nine months. And I would say that the same is also true. Um, some of you may know, I'm going to be the cover girl for strong fitness magazine, definitely had a caloric deficit leaning it leading into the shoot. Um, but now I am reverse dieting, um, out of it. So I think I got down to, um, maybe it was 1400 calories uh, at my lowest, maybe 13. I don't think I got as low as 1300, but 1400 calories. And now I'm working my way back up because mama likes a little bit more calories so I can pump in the gym. Uh, So I'm working my way back up there as well. And I've used this with my private clients as well. I think it's really, really, really important. So I hope that you found this valuable. Uh, And if you did, please feel free to leave a review um, on iTunes uh, or Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, really means a lot to me, helps other Betty's find uh, the work that I am putting out into the world, and we can help heal more women as a collective. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's geeky magic carpet ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast and I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you.